0: Now to remember how to speak, um, <laughs>
1: it's the hot pod, right?
0: Yeah, man. I feel like it's been forever since I've actually talked with anyone, really. <laughs> like, I know, right? Besides Nancy. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so welcome, <laughs> welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. This is Dave Hoyt, and today we're talking about Veil of Doom, Part Three scorched venus and i'm um, as always joined by kayvon Fishami.
1: and lexi de koning uh i feel like i need to say something about myself now every
0: time but some 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 mildly revealing fact no 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 Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh what you do in class with students like tell us one thing about yourself that we wouldn't know like
2: Oh god, I I hate this. I like never make my students do that. It's <laughs> I was just gonna cruel. Add, like what's
0: what's the what's the dumbest thing that a school has made you to make your students do in like regards to that, not like actual like coursework, but like stupid introductory things. Do you ever have like rules that like, you have to do this on day one or anything like that?
2: Not once ah. you start teaching your own classes, but yeah. yeah and even, like, Go ahead.
1: Even TAing for like sections, you know, they would they would suggest on the first day or whatever do an icebreaker, but I was never required to use one. And I actually still like to use, especially with Zoom. Like, I'll like keep coming back to icebreakers every so often, just so that we get to know each other and we develop a little bit of community in the classroom. Because otherwise, it's just like a bunch of people on a video call. Uh, <laughs>
2: sorry. Yeah.
1: I know Kvon hates that shit, but I'm always like what's your favorite color what animal would you be like i don't know i just ask them really stupid questions and it's like a way to generate discussion I, <laughs> probably-
0: uh, oh go ahead the, the uh the, they did something like that at a place i used to work where uh, yeah, we'd have like these quarterly meetings and then all the new people would have to answer if you were an animal what would you be and i always like Right after I said mine, I just was like, "Man, I should have said an armadillo so I could roll away from this conversation." <laughs>
2: That'd be hilarious.
0: I can't remember what I actually said. It was something obviously very forgettable, but I remember thinking, "I don't want to be talking about this in front of all these people that I barely
2: know right now." Yeah, that's what I like. I hate especially about the like, what, whatever do you want to be? Like, I had a um. I was TAing for a class once and they made us all answer. It was like, what TV or movie character do you want to be? And it's like, I don't want, I, I don't watch TV and movies to like want to be the people I'm watching. Like I watch it to enjoy their stories and then also to live my own life and live my own story. (laughs) Thanks. And it's just like, I don't want to answer this question. You can tell a lot of students don't like answering it either. I don't know. The question I usually ask them is uh, it's like, why did you come to college and you can't say to get a job?
0: But, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, why are you
2: here if not to get a job? And then it's like, oh, okay, well, like, let's just keep that in mind. Like, what is this institution really about? Uh, and then I always like to remind them constantly it's like, look to your left, look to your right. One of these people is not going to get a job in their field when they graduate from college and probably will never get one.
0: <laughs> one if you're lucky. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's got to be yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, he's
2: like, do you guys understand? Do you guys know what underemployment is? Because <laughs> like, yeah. a fair chunk of you are going to know. Uh, <laughs> so it was like, you're coming here just to get a job. Well, thing about that is.
0: <laughs> what? Then why are you here yeah. in this class? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and fun fact, our former university is also now slashing, like, college budgets uh, by 50%. So or my former university, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's
1: where we and are. this is a it's
2: a major, it's a major like research one state university. You know, not just like a little like, you know, uh small town like liberal arts college. This is like a twenty-five thousand students, big state school, a lot of money, cutting it by
0: fifty percent. Yay, the continuing downfall of higher education and the teaching the actual humanities yeah oh yeah
1: oh yeah <laughs> right
2: yeah uh, well, end of times friends well, but you know thankfully nice. we have things like exosquad to escape uh, escape our horrible reality from and go to this wonderful universe of genocide and racial conflict and
1: <laughs> where, it was a golden is- age <laughs> for
0: all mankind <laughs> It was a gold, it was such a golden age that our characters were being flung into the sun at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh De Leon and JT try to make the best of it by making puns about tanning and uh really yeah. having a beautiful view of the sun. But uh they're gonna die unless something happens. Fortunately, Marsala was there and uh he gets to um hijack the uh shuttle and come back for them at some at some point here it's a little bit in the in the future but i mean obviously you know it's gonna happen as a kid's cartoon but always like to go back to the if it was written today
2: maybe (laughs) yeah maybe not
1: they may have all died yeah
2: yeah uh
1: i do love the scene where masala like hijacks the shuttle uh, especially because as he, like, comes in, they're like, you don't have authorization to be here, and he pulls out a gun and says, perhaps this will be sufficient authorization. Um, and I turned to Kevin and I was like, see, he does have a sense of humor. Like, it's, you know. I'd believe- like, That was a joke. That was a joke he was making. I don't think he was saying this is literally sufficient authorization.
0: What What is this? I believe it is called a hijacking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marcel, Marcel has some real good jokes. You can tell, like... I don't know if Marcella did have this really gy- dry sarcastic wit before he joined Exo Squad but it seems like he's the only Neosapien that has one. So I think he, <laughs> I think he learned that from his time in with humans in the Exo Fleet. Right. Yeah.
2: Which again like I mean it underscores the fact that like they are capable of a sense of humor and like all that the, the human like pre- or like stereotype about them not having a sense of humor Not only does it, like, fall on its face, it's kind of like, well, like, maybe if you didn't just, like, lock them away on, like, a dry desert planet and force them to, like, you know, do all your industry and heavy manufacturing and all the rest of it, maybe they would have senses of humor.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) like... I'm surprised they didn't didn't develop senses of humor to, like, pass the time while they were breaking rocks on Mars.
2: True. And, I mean, (laughs) that's the thing is, who knows? Maybe they do. And maybe Neo-Sapien humor is just, like really alien and weird because even like Marsala's is like sense of it's like super dad jokey and it's like maybe <laughs> that's what like like neo-sapien humor is is it's just like really like blatant obvious puns and like it's like mel Brooks humor it's like all the humor in like young frankenstein it's like walk this way yes i'll walk this way
0: well, very soon after this episode, we will see Stentor come back and host Neo Sapiens Got Talent, a uh, stand up <laughs> uh, elimination contest.
2: <laughs> Where you actually literally get eliminated if you're kicked off the show. You're, you are also thrown into the sun.
0: Just <laughs> Phaeton, <laughs> Phaeton at a desk with a giant red button that just launches them through a tube. <laughs> yeah. You
2: have been this eliminated. You feel
1: authentic right
0: this is this is this is this is not the kind of humor we need in neo sapien order <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> but i love i do, i also love this scene cuz marsala is just fucking kicking ass like
2: yeah
0: yeah and, the, and like the animate like when he does that kick and everything else like the animation's real good and we get to see another uh console hazard when the guy when the pilot like hits the console and gets electrocuted it's like these Right. These consoles are not built up to code people. We need to work on this shit.
2: I know I'd say like, what are they made of? Loose wires.
0: <laughs> don't, yeah, don't hit don't hit anything on like the top row on the right side of the keyboard. There there's some bad wiring that just shocks you every time you type something. Right. It
2: may cause <laughs> fatal electrocution. It's like how many pilots have been lost?
0: Uh
2: <laughs> what are these US military showers in Iraq? Um, oh, sorry, too soon. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, I don't, I don't think I know what you're referring to. Uh,
2: so, fun fact: am not uh, Kell- sure. <laughs> Kellogg Brown and Root, which is a subsidiary of Halliburton that did a lot of the like, uh, like contracting for supplies for the U.S. military, had these like portable showers you could set up in a, in um, army bases or military bases um, in the desert, and um, more than one of them fatally electrocuted soldiers. What? Yeah, <laughs> fun fact. Um, yeah, it wasn't really covered a lot in uh, in a lot of the more mainstream news, but it was. Uh, yeah, it was a thing back during the Iraq War. So you can cut that out or whatever if you like, but it's just definitely yeah, fact.
0: I mean, it's 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 a story. <laughs>
2: it's it's a thing that happens. So yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, maybe these are all Kellogg Brown and Root, uh, my KBR console, <laughs> like, just like made of all these exposed wirings. But I do love like. And he's, like, saying something to him because he, like, he boots that dude into the console and he's, like, I was hoping to do this without violence. And as he, like, finishes the sentence, he just, like, backhands that guy that's, like, yeah. up behind him and knocks him clean out.
0: Like, Marcello Mar- 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 is fucking tough, man. Like-
2: yeah. So what do you reckon happened to those two Neo-Sapiens? Because, like, well- he docks and picks up JT and De Leon and the rest of the humans, and we never hear from them again. Did he, like, space them? <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, he either killed them or when they got to Venus, they just left them tied up in the shuttle. <laughs>
2: to start to exactly drown slowly over time. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, you're right because we never – it's 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 something that happens a lot in this cartoon. It's like, oh, we took out this room full of guards and then you never address what happened to the guards that like weren't fatally shot. <laughs> right,
2: right. And like maybe the dude that got electrocuted by the console is dead. I mean if it was a KBR console, he's 100 percent dead. Uh yeah. <laughs> but uh the other guy just like got punched in the face. I imagine he's probably still alive or so maybe he's just starving in a farmhouse on Venus. This,
0: like, this life sucks.
2: <laughs> know, know, like, years so later, weird. after the war is over, they, they just like find his skeleton. So my farmer comes back, like, why is there this like tied up Neosapien skeleton in my farmhouse?
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> uh. She anyway. gets dark in the exo in the exo world. It does. Uh, well, so I mean that that basically ends a large chunk of the episode because uh, during that time um, when Marsala's is coming back, Diana is trying to like reconcile with mm-hmm. JT and Dalion before they burn up in the sun, and they ref- they're like, "Fuck you, <laughs> like, yeah, just, I don't care about what your excuse is. Get the fuck away from me." <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: Um, which is understandable. Like, I mean, I understand Diana's position as well because now she has no. Now that she knows that her family's dead, like, she has no uh, allegiance to the Neo Sapiens or to Phaeton anyway. But I can also understand why they'd be like, hey, you're a, a species traitor and uh, get away from us, please.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a scene, right? Like, you really feel for her because it's, you know, yeah, she. She kind of betrayed them, but out of concern for her family, who she's now figured out has been incinerated in the sun, and now she feels a complete asshole, but they're not going to, and deservedly, like, they're not going to give her any forgiveness, and so she, here she is, like, w- what she thinks is, like, the waning moments of her life before she burns up in the sun. Like, just completely dejected, dead family, a traitor, like, no friends. It's pretty dark.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: But Marsala catches them, um, and and they don't die. They, <laughs> but we, uh, it, it, there's there's some weird anime. They, like actually, I think it's kind of good. The, like the faces are kind of ugly, but I think that's because they're like under such duress, right? Uh, it 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 kind of conveys like the what's actually going on with the character internally, which is mm. hard to do in animation, especially nowadays with like where like the smooth faced anime girl who can only express through her eyes is, is uh, something that's really kind of taken over a lot of things nowadays. Right. Um, Able, Able squad and uh, is looking for Lieutenant Burns or the rest of Able squad is looking for Lieutenant Burns on the uh, surface of Venus and they're flying around the orbit and like no time must have passed between, the last episode in this in fact it even seems like it rewinds a little bit because yeah. like she went down or pretended to go down because her e-frame wouldn't work and it almost looked like able squad was like okay we'll see you back to fleet and left <laughs> right in the last episode All right. yeah so
2: good luck dog we'll see you later <laughs>
1: yeah
0: because no doesn't
1: you. doesn't she order them because She's, right. like, yeah. tenant in charge, and so Nara orders them to go back. She's like, no, right. I'll be fine. Don't worry. I'm just going to, like, settle down here quickly and fix my uh, E-frame. Yeah, and so, like, she right. orders them to leave without her. So they're not just being total assholes.
0: Well, uh, fortunately, Rita Torres <laughs> is like, nah, fuck that, dog. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to get you. Right. But, like, she can't communicate with them now for some reason. Or won't, I guess, because she's trying to conceal what she's actually trying, what she's trying to do, which right. is go to her right. family farm and figure out what happened to them. Um, but, of course, we get to see more more uh, Brodsky really having trouble with Dalyon's <laughs> intelligence e-frame. Uh, and it gets to make fun of him with a few good quips, like more skillful piloting would render the, the luck you're requesting unnecessary. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: I really enjoyed the sassy relationship between... Uh... Deleon's frame and Bronski.
0: Right. (laughs) Do you, do you think, do you think, do you like the, the E-frame knows what Alec Delion really thinks of Bronski? And (laughs) that's why, that's why it has, it can have these like on the fly opinions. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I was going
1: to say either that or the E-frame is smart enough because it's sentient and it's used to working with someone like Deleon, who's obviously like highly qualified, like highly skilled intelligence officer, versus bronski who as we pointed out is basically like the party bard uh you know like maybe the e-frame's smart enough on its own to just be like no this guy's a fucking moron like oh god
0: <laughs> well again just going back to that question w- isn't there another person like daily in the entire exofleet that could have gone with them <laughs> right
2: well and so i that's the thing too i um I wonder if this is set up for some of the storyline that's going to emerge in the second season with De Leon's um, E-Frame. You know, again, like, I, I never know how much, like, I don't want to get spoilers in case people are actually watching this along with the show. But, you know, there's that set up for stuff that's coming down the line. Um, and I wonder if this, because, like, nobody else's E-Frame talks to them, really? just At least yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. Or at least not out loud like that. yeah. Like, I think like they're communicating back and forth between their what what do they call it the mind link? Uh, I
2: think they just say they jack in or something like that. Yeah,
0: they're they're typical cyberpunk computer interface, yeah, brain computer interface. Um, is obviously communicating some information to them, but uh, Nara, like I said, Nara hides herself so she's not able to be found, and as a result of able squad flying back down into the atmosphere of venus draconis is able to find them and he sends out a patrol to take them out and uh bronski gets stuck in a puddle uh (laughs) there's why do i have tattoo heads in the note
1: Oh, Brunsky calls the Sapiens "tattoo heads." Like when that's two, right. they come out and they're like big, you know, Neosapien e frames, and he says, well, "Come on, tattoo heads!" And we were, we were like, "Is that a racial slur?" Like, how? <laughs> I
0: think it <laughs> how is. How I supposed to interpret this? <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's meant to be some kind of slur, or at least, at least something racist, um, right? <laughs> Not like they can hear him though. Unless he's broadcasting to them. Like, I, I hope
2: he is, just like over of all channels. Just like, hey.
0: He's He's probably doing it, but he doesn't know he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did that guy you know, just the, call us? Did he say the T word? <laughs> there used to be um there used to be a series of flight simulators called Wing Commander. Oh yeah. Or space flight simulators. Yeah. And one of the things you could do. While you were playing that game, is you could actually send insults to the enemy pilots to make them come after you. <laughs> That's great. The, the The very first, the very first instance I can think of of taunting in a video game, right? But, That's pretty um, awesome.
2: Mark Hamill was in those games, wasn't he?
0: yes, so so quick, quick, quick side story. He was uh Mark Hamill was in Wing Commander Three because they had a whole bunch of full motion videos and everything. It was actually mm-hmm. a very good game, and that added a lot to it. but they also had the guy who played Biff from back to the future
2: <laughs> oh wow <laughs>
0: that's fantastic, and I went to i I actually saw him do his stand up act live. He plays some incredibly a condescending song about dating his daughter, which was funny to my to my brain at the time, but now I'm just like, how eh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. um, humor but, has changed. <laughs> yeah, but by the at the end of it, you could go over you know buy merch from him and get him to sign it and things like that. So I bought, and even at the time, buying this was completely ridiculous. I bought the uh, the CD of his stand up. And when he was signing it, I asked him, I was like, So was it super cool to work on Wing Commander three with like Mark with like Mark Hamill and all those and all those like weird animatronic suits? And he just looked at me and was like, oh, that's a fucking nerd deep cut right there. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone has ever asked me a question like that.
2: <laughs> You're like the only person in that audience that even knew about that.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty funny, but uh, anyways, uh, Wing Commander 3 <laughs> Biff stories aside. Um, <laughs> Bro- <laughs> Bronski yells out tattoo heads. Um, I like the, uh, the Neo-Sapien suits on Venus because they're mm. a little different than the ones we see on Earth and they have an almost like insect alien feel to them.
2: Um, uh, are you talking about the exos fr- the e frames or the actual? Yeah, the
0: oh okay. the e frames A- and and the and the y fighters I think they call them totally yeah. not y wings legally distinct from y wings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually thought they used the term y wing at one point when like maybe they as, did. I think they do. It was like oh I'll keep those neosapien y wings like off my back or something like when Cass is talking to um Rita um. But yeah, yeah, and like they have those like the little bipedal ones with like the gun on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, it looks like they almost have like a weird like insectile beak. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought those were, I thought the, I think those look really cool. Uh, Kaz kind of delivers the MVP moves this time around by shooting down a whole lot of the Neo Neo-Sapiens until he's almost shot down himself, but Rita saves him with her trusty lightsaber by cutting the ship in half. And like, awesome. let's be clear. Let's be clear that thing definitely went through the pilot, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no question. <laughs> or at least, or at least had some like comical cartoon moment where like, it was like hurtling towards his crotch, but it comes down just in time. Right. <laughs> then he explodes and yeah. dies, but.
2: <laughs> yeah, It's just enough time to do like the look of relief and then realize he's about to hit the ground. Look, that's it. He-
0: it doesn't hit him. He looks relieved, but he notices the ship's about to explode, and he looks at the camera and just goes "womp womp." <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, well, action ironic... remake. There you go. That's a golden opportunity.
0: <laughs> imagine, imagine trying to make this show a fucking comedy.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, well, you know, you can laugh about genocide, I guess. Uh...
0: <laughs> Time <laughs> makes everything funny, right, guys? <laughs>
2: right. Ooh. Anyway.
0: Uh...
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. He's definitely been split in half, though. There's. There's no question. She. She cut him right in
0: That man is dead. <laughs> uh, uh. Mar. Uh... Mar. The Marsala and the and the rest and the rest of the team in the shuttle. Uh, land the shuttle through by flying through a bunch of storms to conceal their presence um, and then the, the, as they do that the shuttle crashes as a result of being hit by lightning uh, they had a few like s- it almost seemed like stock footagey things here because there was a commercial break but I don't know why but the, like the scenes of the shuttle like flying through the clouds for some reason those look really good and detailed to me hmm.
1: yeah I remember there's like one specific shot of the the shuttle, like, flying into the clouds, kind of, like, going from left to right. I think I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. It was actually really well
0: done.
2: Um, There is a shot where um, they're all, like, it's inside the cabin, and Marsala's, like, trying to, like, gain control of it, and JT's, like, you know, like, oh, pull up. And he's like, I've lost control. Da-da. But De Leon is just sitting there completely, like, stone-faced. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's... Basically, there's no animation. It's just, like, a still of him, more or less, and he's just like sitting there, just like stone face, like totally relaxed, like whatever. It's I don't he's know, practicing it's like,
0: mindfulness.
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> like, "Well, this is the best time to. I'm about to die. I
0: cannot, I cannot control the situation. Therefore, I will let it go." <laughs>
2: I mean, but yeah, though.
0: <laughs> we, also, we also missed a, we, we, I did, I did miss another great Marsala joke back in the beginning when they, when he first saved them because JT like walks up into the cockpit and he's like, "Glad to see your ugly mug." And was like, your face is ugly as well. Or, like, <laughs> I'm
1: glad. <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah. I,
0: I'm okay. glad to see your ugly face as well. Sure good to see your ugly face. What took you so long? A space tug is not an E-frame, Lieutenant. I have not piloted one before. And I am pleased to see your ugly face. <laughs> He knows he's making jokes. At this point, it's undeniable. He knows these are fucking jokes. And he's just playing everyone for fools. Right. Right. Uh, I think Marcella's humor. (laughs) Like I said, Marsala's stand-up. It would just be, you'd walk away from it being like, was he making fun of me?
1: I would buy that CD.
2: (laughs) I would absolutely buy that CD, 100%.
0: Uh, so the, the shuttle crashes and everyone gets out of the shuttle, which, wow, there were a lot of people in there. Um, and they, they say something about like one of the guys there used to log the Murex trees. And I'm like, is that, is a Murex tree a real thing? And, um, it turns out it is, it's a decorative tree that grows mostly in the southern half of uh, the continent of Africa. No. Um. Yeah. uh, Apparently, apparently the nuts are pretty good to eat, and like monkeys really like them, and people like them if you fry them up. This is heavy. I hate to be that guy who's like, "Hey, do you know every other Canadian?" But Lexi, have you ever had these things?
1: (laughs) No, I'm actually trying to look right now, and
2: Eastern and Pumalanga.
1: Oh. Okay, that's not the c- part of the country that I'm from. Yeah, I see here, like just according to this website, Chauteng, Limpopo, and Mpumalanga, which is more like the the northeast part of the country. So I don't know. I might have encountered these when I lived in Johannesburg as a child, but I do not remember this, and I've m- certainly not remember eating a nut from one of these trees.
2: Mm. Gotcha. Uh, also called a low felt chestnut. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. This is yeah, this is one of those things where I'm like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. i don't know i'm white i grew up in a suburb like i don't know what to tell you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i feel i feel like this is like asking asking someone from like new york city like so have you ever had this one have you ever been to this one restaurant in idaho i mean you're from the united <laughs> states so right. i assume you've been there right. no
2: i mean
1: it's it's fine whatever i think it's funny it's just i was like uh i I do not know. I'm sorry. I'm not a an expert on this tree. Um,
2: I bet it's kind of cool growing them there. on
1: Venus, though. Yeah. Yeah, mom would know. She knows everything about the trees of South Africa. The flowers look really familiar. I can say that much. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> I um, it is interesting though. I guess it does give you a little bit of a peek at what like the kind of climate of Venus would be then.
1: Because it looks really lush.
2: Hmm.
1: Like, even even where they just where they crash land, and like, um, I think it's Isadellion or JT saying like, "Oh, you know, this guy used to log trees here, and that's why they're going to this like logging camp three hours away, and they'll be safe there." Um, they're like talking in a swamp.
0: Yeah, it, that's why. Like, I, I'm I'm assuming that Venus is like this kind of tropical paradise, almost in a lot of places, but like it still has these gross and swampy areas.
2: I mean, maybe yeah. it's,
1: oh, go ahead. I'm just like, if someone listening to this has a, I don't know, taken a course or some sort of qualification in like terraforming, please inform <laughs> us. Like, how would one turn Venus into a lush tropical paradise that also has swamps?
0: If you've ever terraformed Venus, we want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> mostly mostly just to know that someone terraformed Venus. Yes, and like, why aren't we Let recording know, this show like... on terraformed Venus right now? Um, um, well, I wonder
2: if it isn't like, because you never really like, you know, she always talks about the Venetian sunset, but you never hear about Venetian storms. I don't think there's a single episode where you see a storm on Venus. And I wonder well, if it's the
1: one that they crashed. Oh, through right yeah.
2: Now. Well, but that's like more like an electric. It's like an atmospheric, like electrical storm. Right. Like. oh uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And so I wonder, like, if it isn't more. It's a, it's a bit drier, a bit more arid, like kind of like Colorado or like, you know, there's parts of South Africa where it's like it's a bit drier. But you do still have wetlands because, like, there's probably they have to have water on the planet somehow, and like maybe yeah. the water's imported and it's um, it's all kind of it's like pooled in lowlands, and that's how you get swamps, and then the rest of it is dry-ish, but not you know like a desert.
0: Yeah, and you know you don't hear a lot about in the series about attempts to terraform any other planets mm. besides Mars and Venus, which. Makes me think that either they just kind of stopped with those two until they need more space or they um, like the technology isn't good enough to go beyond those two planets because they're supposedly in like, you know, the good zone or as close to the good zone as you could be and not be Earth. Right.
2: And, and that's the, that's like one of the things I've kind of always wondered about with this show, even since I was a kid is like, well, Venus, Venus would be a really hard planet. The terraform, right? The atmosphere is acidic. Um, it's got crushing gravity. Uh, air pressure is really thick.
0: Like I mean, like right? Like, wouldn't Mars be easier to terraform? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you'd think so. Maybe, maybe you know, I'm the show. Probably isn't thinking that deeply about the question, but like, maybe there is some explanation where like Venus actually has soil that mm. is able to be like. Rich and, in
2: nitrogen or something.
0: Yeah. And maybe Mars doesn't have that. I don't mm. know. Again, if you've terraformed Venus or Mars, please write in to right. millennial network <laughs> at gmail.com.
2: Well, because the um <laughs> using the uh or just like the kind of um corollary to this, what I was like kind of where I was kind of thinking this leads though, is like, okay, well you could if Venus is really difficult to terraform, but they still managed to pull it off. That begs the question, why haven't they done this with Mars? And is it because, no. oh, that's the Neo-Sapien planet and we can't be asked, oh, those blue men will be fine just like eating rocks in the desert, like leave them be?
0: I I feel like that's the real explanation. They they, they Maybe they wanted to, but they figured out how to do Venus, so they'd had enough space. But they just wanted the, um, the uh, natural resources from Mars because right. apparently there's something worthwhile right. there.
2: Right. Well and then so like why bother developing it? The Neo Sapiens will be fine. So they've just it's just good old fashioned colonial racism out yeah, again.
0: Right. Well in, in and and there's there's a there's some like other indicators of this uh of the scientific achievements surrounding this like this era that the cartoon takes place in. Because at one point I, I think it was when when they went back from Tethys to Earth, I kind of like did a simple like estimation of the math. They're flying at like thirty percent the speed of light.
2: Oh, geez. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Damn. That they're going real fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's
1: into perspective for you,
0: right?
2: And this is only like uh, the twenty yeah. second century too, right? So it's like pretty serious. Technological jumps there,
0: yeah. But uh, so um, they they the refugees from the shuttle leave uh, to that Murex logging camp that they were talking about, and uh, the members of Able Squad and Diane—is her name Diana? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Diana—stay behind to salvage some E-frames so they can maybe possibly get away or maybe try to do something against the graph shield that they know is on Venus now. Um they, While they're working on it, Daleon puts on some Neo sapien work gloves. So it looks like he should have two more giant thumbs. And I'm just picturing like his fingers, like in Spock poses, going yes. into the bigger ones <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> looks like he's doing like the calabunga dude symbol yes. which marcella which marcella actually does as jt teaches him how to give a thumbs up right
2: oh, no, I was was gonna, was really uh, oh go ahead
0: no, no no you go for it
2: i was just gonna say he's like doing a perfectly good like hang loose and jt's like no man like tuck your pinky in. it's like man maybe he's a surfer maybe he likes doing the hang loose
1: I think JT just likes opportunities to make bad puns because he's like, here, let me give you a hand as he like <laughs> folds Marsala's like other finger or digit in, I guess. Um, the other thing that Kayvon noticed during the scene is that when I believe it's Marsala and JT have to like open the hatch so they can get the uh, the Neosapien E-frames out, they appear to be standing on the wall like Spider-Man both of them
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i thought like maybe it was leaned over at such an angle that they could do that but you're right they actually they actually are kind of like spider-man up against the wall using crowbars (laughs) at first i was like oh is this just is it supposed to be like a perspective
1: shot from above like they're on top of the ship you know crowbarring the door open and then the next time you see like that same shot again or whatever of the The door's now open. You can see the E-frame. It's like, no, that's clearly on its side. And they were literally just both standing on the side of the ship like Spider-Man.
0: Yep. I I would believe that Marsala could use his feet to, like, grab onto it. Like, (laughs) maybe make a small dent that he could stand there. But JT is sliding right off and in that mud. Yeah. Uh, But you're you're also right. JT is definitely the dad joke of the group. Um, (laughs) Any opportunity he has to make one, he's going to take it. Uh, and Dale, they they fixed the E frame, and I, I love Daelian's little like puppy dog flip. So it's like, whoop.
1: <laughs> like does he flip out of joy? I'm trying to remember.
0: I think he was just trying to test it, but you know, uh, I'd be I'd be happy if I fix that thing and do a little flip like. Whoop. Awesome. <laughs> um, at the graph, we go we go now to the graph facility. Uh, we find out that Zenobius is now on Venus. And we finally meet Professor Algernon, painting a VR picture, because, as he puts it, only I could appreciate it, so why show it to others?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I, f- I felt like a weird, uh, how do I say it? it, was like shots fired, or like throwing shade, I was like, oh yeah, so it's just like your dissertation, you know, it's just so good that it's going to sit in a library where nobody reads it. Yeah, but,
0: but, but, I gotta ask one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but yeah, though.
1: <laughs> Half the show is just me and on like griping about academia. I apologize to anyone <laughs> yeah. who's still listening at this point. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it I do, makes me laugh.
1: <laughs> I do like the idea of VR painting, though. I was like, that's freaking awesome, and I will play that. Like, I will get an Oculus Rift to do.
0: I mean that's that's a that's a thing now. You can do. They they've oh, made God. things. It's probably not like as like. As good with the colors you can pick yet as like doing like a Bob Ross tutorial in your home, but right, the uh, but you can you can do that kind of stuff now. Um, that's awesome, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says something. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna
2: say during that scene, um, I really like kind of felt like it was like almost apt to make a like an Elon Musk comparison, except this guy's actually invented stuff. It's like, oh, like I'm (laughs) this inventor, but it's like, oh, wait, but he's actually invented something.
0: Impressive, where's my what. Where's my electric car Algernon <laughs> right it's
2: like but if that were like for that metaphor to fit, it would have to be like Algernon's um <laughs> Algernon's musk, but then like Zenobius is actually doing all the hard work and inventing stuff, so I guess like Zenobius is actually kind of Elon Musk in a way,
0: yeah this scenario. Like- a, sl- a slight. A sl- I, I. I feel. I feel much more sympathy for anything bad that happens to Zenobius than I would ever for Elon Musk.
2: <laughs> That's true. You kind of. You kind of feel bad for poor Zenobius is just in over his head. Yeah. Yeah, and Elon Musk made his initial wealth off his family's emerald mines in apartheid South Africa. Grim. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's almost one and the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's the same thing. Uh yeah i didn't I didn't know about that until you guys told me about that
2: <laughs> not a lot of people it's it's definitely not a part of his biography that he leads with.
0: <laughs> no remember, remember when oh my goodness
1: anyway uh, uh, Hang. On. I wanted to ask though because this is the scene where uh is it Shiva who calls? I can't remember who calls to like was it phaeton who calls to
0: reprimand Zenobius uh it's Jer. it's Jerconus. The, uh, it the general on Venus yeah.
1: All right, and then is it like Elginon basically also throws shade at a uh, Zenobius and is like, oh, "I thought you alphas were bred for intelligence, like so yeah, that, you know, just leave me out of this politics bullshit." Is this the first time that they mention the alphas? Because like, I'm trying to remember if that comes up in previous episode that there's a specific,
0: I don't know, brood or whatever. What no, I don't think. Him? I don't think it is brought up before this point, and I was. I was trying to think, like, what other Neo-Sapiens have we seen so far that might have been part of this alpha batch? I don't know what you want to call yeah. it. Um, I'm thinking um, the the finance minister. Because remember how much smaller he was? Right. And, like, he has a quote-unquote, you know, desk job. Like...
1: Yeah, he might also be an alpha. Yeah. Which in this <laughs> well... world means that, yeah, you're supposed to be smarter but cut out for, like, Administrative work, apparently.
2: <laughs> yeah. Your middle management. Like they're bred to do middle management.
1: Which I believe in human terms is a gamma male. No, I'm kidding. I
2: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But because they don't really they don't really lay them out, right? Like it's not like the Neo Megas that come later where it's like there's like, you know, like a plot point to introduce them and like you get a bit of background. Like they're I think this is really one of the only references that we get to them, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the first indicator we have that there are actually different kinds of neosapiens besides the besides the the uh division between ones given uh male forms and ones given fem- female forms, right? Or traditionally right. as they right. were up back then. Um, it it is I think it's the only time we've ever heard of it up to this point. But it's a cool it's a cool thing to to have because it set like you said it sets up the future with right what's, right with some of the things that are going to happen um but like Lexi said Draconis calls up and basically reprimands Zenobius for a having such a lippy um human <laughs> assistant uh <he's, laughs> I'm pretty sure he wants I'm pretty sure Draconis was like why don't you just shoot him or is what he's indicating yeah um and he yells at Zenobia. He's like, "Get the graph shield up now!" And he's like, but "That's just, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works." But like a modern day CEO, he doesn't care. He just wants it done. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that scene ends, and we Nara just quickly visits her destroyed farm, sees the gravestones that uh, Jason has set up for her parents, and she finds a message for him or is that later that's like that's
2: later yeah uh, no it's at the same time right because he she's she goes in the house or she goes in the house anyway and it's in there i yeah. think yeah yeah well, is, you know,
0: well, go ahead.
1: i think that is a later scene because she comes up to the farm first hmm. she's like a tear streaming down her face i remember because even for a kid's show i feel like it was a really impactful scene mm-hmm. um especially because they spent so much time setting up like Nara's closeness with her family and how she prioritizes family in her life um and then i just remember because like she goes into the actual what looked like some sort of like glass enclosed greenhouse type thing even though they grow stuff outdoors like they seems to be like a greenhouse and that's where i think james has created the headstones also just wanted to say big up to james like those headstones were legit i was very impressed (laughs) by his headstone
0: carving skills he had to he had to Dig the hole, put the corpses in the hole, cover the hole, find that's, those stone slabs, move them, carve them, and engrave <laughs> them. Right? <laughs> like, I love you, Mom and Dad, but in the same situation, I'm sorry, I don't think I would have given you that nice marker. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: I'm not sure what my stone carving skills really are, so, sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I just gotta go over here and dig my chisel out of this rubble. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because yeah, they. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, poor Nara.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's rough, man. That's, not, yeah, a very like impactful emotional scene.
0: That's that's the show looking directly at the children watching it and being like, because we actually see James's dad at some point. We never even see their mom, but that's mm-hmm. just the show looking at kids and being like, think about this, kids. If there was a war, your parents could be dead. <laughs> <laughs> i mean both real though yeah, yeah
1: right. <laughs> oh that's great appreciate in a pretty really dark them. way
0: <laughs> appreciate them
1: <laughs> right we've gotta
0: uh,
1: see if we can contact the writers and just be like on a scale of one to ten how much emotional damage did you
0: want to do to children like <laughs> <laughs> like, like one one being uh you know like you batman's parents dying and 10 being either Littlefoot, di- Littlefoot's parents dying mom dying or uh optimus prime dying on the table what was the scale here <laughs> i
2: mean
1: oh sorry
0: maybe while we because like how many
2: kids how many kids cartoons can you remember from that era Where it's like, yeah, okay, Batman's parents are dead, but it's like a thing that happens in the past. You see a couple of maybe flashbacks depending on like the media, like which version of Batman you're watching or reading, where you see, you know, the pearls, you know, falling in the alley or whatever. But this is something where it's like, it's, and not something you were expecting. It's not part of the backstory. It's something that happens while you're watching the show. And then it's something that the characters have to deal with. Like ongoing is this like sudden and unexpected grief, not like character defining grief in the sense that, like, okay, that's, that's Batman's motivation. He's going to set out to write things yeah. Instead, this is just something that, like happened to these people. And now they have to go on. Mm. And it's, I can't, yeah,
0: I can't, Peter Parker and Uncle Ben are, in that cartoon already
2: established backstory though. Yeah, if, you know, uh, I mean, if you're watching that cartoon, I know maybe not all the viewers, but most of us know what happens to Uncle Ben. Like, it's yeah, it's, that's how Spider-Man becomes Spider-Man. You know, and it's like, and it's got like this like, there's a certain like kind of moral arc to it of like, you know, these are these are people, especially so for Spider-Man, right? That's how he learns it. Great power comes with great responsibility, right? That's how he learns that like, okay, like I have to actually like use my power to, to, to prevent there from being other Uncle Ben's. But for James and Nara, it's just like this is a footnote in a much larger conflict that that spans way beyond them. That yeah, they'll play instrumental roles in, but like this is there's not really any meaning to this. There's no revenge. There's no anything, right? Like it's just some anonymous Neo sapien pilot comes in, blows up the farm, blows up James' dad's tractor,
0: and then just like flies off. And that's that. The the only the only comparison I can think of is the first second episode of X-Men when Morph dies. Oh jeez, I don't even remember that. Um, right. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: That's right. I forgot about Morph dying in that.
0: But that that's the only one I can think of. And even that was not I I, I guess it was pretty impactful. <laughs> but like I don't think it was as impactful as this,
2: right? Right, because they kind of like, I mean, it moves on pretty quickly. Like there's a couple episodes of Boohoo Morph, and then that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, they do. They, I, I will say that that cartoon did a a decent job, especially for a children's cartoon, of illustrating grief because, like, every member of the team goes through like the loss of Morph. And it changes the relationships about them. Like Wolverine definitely becomes way more antagonistic to Cyclops. True. Afterwards, um, at least for a while, uh, which, you know, that, that's a real emotion. But, yeah. Um, that's the only, like I said, that's the only other cartoon at that time that I can think about that. Right. Because even even like the Superman cartoon that came out around that time, they didn't do the ballsy version where they kill uh, – wayne kent is that his dad's name
2: i can't remember what his dad's name. I a full confession never liked superman even as a kid but he was boring
0: well so th- there's like there's always two different versions of the story either uh the the either the father of the family that finds clark dies mm. when he's a teenager or he doesn't
2: mm. okay
0: depending on which version like the cartoon he he was still alive but like the original movies in the 80s and the newer snack cider ones he dies right once from a heart attack and once from a tornado <laughs> <laughs> exciting um
2: yeah but again that's so like that's just backstory and it's like you know like the tragic backstory whatever it's like but that's like what makes Nara, doubly, Nara and James doubly tragic is like they have this good family. And like it's. I was thinking about this during this episode. It's interesting how she's the one that has the most developed backstory out of all of them. We'll get a little more of Marsala, but like from day one, you have this like emphasis on her family and her connection to her family and how important all this stuff is. And then it all gets taken away from her. You know, it's just her brother's still alive, but like mom and dad are dead. The farm's destroyed. And... It's just like, damn, it was like, I remember being a gut punch as a kid and it's still a gut punch now. It's kind of like, it's fucking dark. It's, you know, it's like adult level emotional context and like development in a kid's show.
1: That's the thing, like you're saying for a lot of these other characters we've just discussed or mentioned um, grief or like the parents dying is like backstory motivation. For Nara, it's not that, but I feel like in a way it's, it's more adult because... You know, as an adult, when someone in your life passes away, like everything just keeps going. That's the weirdest thing about grief, right? Is that you experience right. grief, and maybe in your, you know, you and your family, your siblings, whatever, experience grief, but like the rest of the world just keeps moving, right? And it's not, it's not always, yeah, this like huge <laughs> motivating factor in the way that it is for these other characters. So
2: right, the, it, it, the it, war it, keeps, it keeps on going. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and, and yeah. it doesn't. I look at it and I don't feel like okay. Like, I don't look at Nara's parents and be like, they were fridged. Like They only died specifically to propel the plot of this character forward or, mm-hmm. their char- or their growth or their powers or whatever. They died as a result of the war. Yes, it does change Nara, but that's not like... The narrative reason why they died is not like the real reason they died.
2: Right. It, or at least the important. writing's
0: good enough that it doesn't feel like
2: that. Right. 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 Um, And that's the thing, like it's it's kind of just meaningless tragedy. Right. And I think that's mm -hmm. that's the thing that makes it really difficult to grapple with as as a kid, at least for me, was like, there's no greater meaning here. It's just this is just one more story of tragedy and this just endless because she's not the only person to lose her family. Right. Like, I mean, we've just been talking about how Diana's family, she's just had to come to terms with the fact that her family's been incinerated. You know, it's just another another tragedy that doesn't have any other special meaning to it other than this just this is just part of this stupid conflict.
0: Mm. Yep. Exactly. And they drive that point home. Um, mm-hmm. the shuttle the shuttle team is getting ready to depart on their salvaged e frames when the Neo sapiens attack. They, they they unfortunately find them right at that very correct moment. But Diana well, oh, before this happens, they're talking about what do they do with Diana, and right. JT's like, "Well, we can't just leave her here." And DeLeon pulls out a gun. He's like, "Well, we don't have to." Right? <laughs> 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 <Like>, oh, Jesus, Alex! <laughs> <hour. laughs>
2: I love how like he seems so unassuming at first, and then the more you get to know his character, it's like he's just like the complete cold, ruthless. He's probably like. The closest thing to a sociopath on this show. It's great. Yeah.
0: He has a goal. And it doesn't matter what's in the way of that goal. Right. <laughs> um so so the the Neosapiens attack and Diana like distracts them by saying, Hey, I'm a spy, take me to Draconis. And uh again, it's like, we're gonna fucking shoot her. We're gonna fucking yeah. shoot her. <laughs> But uh, they they managed to the the rest of the Neo-Sapiens find uh, those three Marsala Alec and JT and chase them off. They're swimming through water and they're trying to shoot them through the water. And the thing that struck me is the water has like it looks like actual bullets going through it. I was yeah so the same thing yeah. These uh, I guess using lasers. He, he, yeah, it, but we do see like the handguns they have. I feel like they're shooting lasers, but then we see a lot of the weapons on e frames are like big machine guns because they have like bullets and shit. Mm-hmm. So, like it, for for a second, I was like, okay, are they using bullets or are they not? But then I kind of came with that division up in my head. Um, yeah, maybe it's like which makes guns, sense. It's a, hmm? Rail guns. Sure, if I ever see anything that could, I would describe as a rail gun.
2: Well, I mean, like, you know, the smaller, I think, like, you know, like the Riffs tabletop game, like the smaller, oh, yeah. you know, like the, especially like, um, Daily unsing that's like belt fed would be like a rail gun. Mm-hmm. I don't know, are there any, uh, if there's any listeners out there that are like specs, uh, specs fans and like can give us some, like, I'm sure there's probably some like lore out there somewhere on the specs for this stuff.
0: I bet, so. I bet they, I bet, I bet they use pretty much every form of murder machine making <laughs> yeah. that, that you can think of like right. they've got lasers they've got your traditional uh, like ignition fired bullets because sometimes you see like the the arm that's shooting is going like like True. back and forth like a like a pin fired or a piston fired gun and i bet you some of them like you're saying are like magnetically propelled railgun bullets or slugs or something like that like wouldn't it be cool if bronsky's was like that <laughs> yeah that like the 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 rail, the rail minigun, just like dugga, 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 dugga. that'd be awesome. Um, but again, <laughs> this this team is uh captured slash rescued out of the water by Venusian survivors on jet in jetpacks, and they are once again treated like garbage by a, <laughs> a group of resistance slash survivors slash refugees. Um. And it's a, oh,
1: sorry. I was gonna say, is is it at this point that it's James who
0: hmm.
1: scoops them up? I can't remember. Like
0: James is part of the team. Is is the leader of the group that scoops him up? Yeah, that's
1: right. With his awesome hat. Okay.
0: He yeah, his hat with his just one side sticking straight up for some reason. Uh, he's on uh, safari. Like oh, in safari or <laughs> Man, what if what if like the terraforming for Venus even went that far where they just like. Airdropped a bunch of animals everywhere. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like
2: rehabilitating mean, the lion on Venus or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've got the so, trees. Now we just need the rest of the wildlife, right?
0: Well, I mean, if we if we can make if we can make Neo Sapiens, we can make fake animals.
2: I mean, yeah though, you could do like a Jurassic Park on Venus. Yeah. Oh, spin-off Be- opportunities. Be- make a Liger da, 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 da. Yeah, make a Liger. <laughs> All kinds of fun stuff. Damn, like uh, it's just like so much rich potential to tap in this world. <laughs> uh, th-
0: we go, we go to Draconis grilling Diana for information, and she is, she's obviously up to something. She's like, "Yeah, I need to speak with Zenobius about the Graph Shield. Ask Shiva about it." And I love Shiva's like, "Oh, oh, you're you're still alive?
1: <laughs> oh, you? <laughs> How like, did that oh, happen?
0: This is awkward." <laughs> i'm not sure if shiva was the one like sending people into the sun or if it was just some asshole shuttle pilot who's like you know what would be fun yeah <laughs>
2: i think it's i think it's systematic because yeah. there's never like oh and here and here's the population of people from earth sent to venus like it's definitely systematic
1: yeah maybe maybe shiva is also just like all humans look the same to him so he actually can't tell yeah. diana from all of his other spies <laughs>
0: It's like, oh, wait, which which it's one? Just are
1: like, you oh, full one, yellow hair. Okay.
0: You just, Shiva is definitely the type of guy who would walk up to someone and be like, "What's your real name?" <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh, but
2: but for real though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm getting. I, I'm also at this point because we haven't seen much of Draconis so far. We just saw yeah. him in the very beginning of the Neo Sapien invasion, where um, Phaeton had Phaeton like very sternly corrected him. He's like, "Yes, my plans are going perfectly, Draconis, mm. not yours." Mm. And uh, Draconis, like, you start to see more of that kind of insecure petulance right here because he's like Diana gets the best of him verbally. And he just like basically threatens her. He's like, you know, if you keep insinuating that if she keeps lipping off to him, she'll, fu- he'll fucking kill her. Right. Um, and, uh, so I, the implication from the end of that scene is that yes, Diana is going to get to go see Zenobia and Algernon. Um, Nara laments at the farm and she finds a message from James at this point um there's uh a, a tiny box next to a chest set that her grandpa used to use and um that's where the message from James is telling her to meet him at the snake tree mm. and um he shows it shows some. Some recordings of what the Neo Sapiens are doing to everyone on Venus, and it shows them marching a bunch of people into like something about the size of four porta potties strapped together, but there's like dozens and dozens of people and cows going into these things. And right. I just imagine like they're walking and just straight into a pit with like a meat chipper. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just like oh my god, li- like what? little Lisa
2: slurry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like what we do to like little baby male chicks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Uh Also, can we just point out like in terms of just like James's like excellent effort in the whole in this whole aspect like, okay, so he carved the headstones, he did all that. He also took the time to like edit together a video package for his sister <laughs> to show her what was going on. Like, it's like, not just like, it's like, here's here's me, but I've also got, I've went out and I collected all this other footage and I'm going to put it together for you in this package so you have a sense of what's happening. God, I Dude. hope you find this.
0: Right. <laughs> all that wasted time. <laughs> right. Spend I can on these
2: food. <laughs> I know. It's like, maybe you're, the reason you're starving, James, is because you're putting way too much effort into everything other than finding food. <laughs> what
1: doesn't. It... Is it in the video? Is it in the previous scene where he says like we can't eat grass?
0: <laughs> oh, we we can't eat grass like your friend here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh. God. Anyway, James. Uh yeah, let's we'll talk more about James as he features more heavily in coming episodes, but he's a bit of a oh. an interesting character.
0: Yeah. And we end the episode well, focused on James because he calls up the Neo Sapiens and says, We'll give you these three Exo Fleet members for three months of food. And uh, JT is, is just like, But why? Yeah. <laughs> and then, then, then the episode ends. Right.
2: Which is like even darker than, um, you know, like cause the human resistance was like, Oh, yeah, we, we don't like you. We're going to take you captive for a minute. We figure out what you do, but there's like never like even entertained. Like, let's turn them over to the Neo-Sapiens. Or mm-hmm. James is like immediately. It's like give me th- and three months of food. Like that's the best you. Not even six. Not a year. Three months of food. Yeah. It's like how long? I mean,
0: <laughs> well, it sh- it sh- it shows a it shows a stark difference between James and Napier, right? Because right. if James being the leader of the Venusian resistance, James is a farmer. He's not a soldier, right? Like, yeah, he he he's the only thing he knows how to do is at this point is probably survive they don't even really have it looks like weapons to fight back at all right um it doesn't doesn't napier who's oh go ahead sorry oh go ahead no go ahead Oh, you've got you've got napier who is a uh ex-military guy and supposedly was at least somewhat ranking enough to be in a leadership position I think right. Um, and a police officer, and has all this training and everything. So like he's maybe coming at it from a stand up and resist as opposed to a survive to resist point of view.
2: Right. Yeah, I think that's right because like you don't even really see the Venusian resistance is really doing anything. They're just hiding in a cave trying to live. Like it's not really even resistance. They're just yeah refugees more than anything.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, Napier doesn't have any families living in a cave he just has yeah. a couple of people who are able bodied and ready to fight
2: right exactly
0: so different circumstances hard choices
2: grim times dark. grim times yeah cuz you kind of you feel for James you get it like they're starving
0: yeah
2: you know and it's probably a lot harder to grow food on Venus i'm sure not all the soils like um you know uh farmable i don't know what the term is i'm not a farmer guy yeah. A- arable, yeah, arable. There you go. I'm not an agriculture doctor, so um, it is what it is.
1: Not a terrible doctor, not a gun spec doctor, not a, a farming doctor.
2: Yeah, sadly, doctor not None agriculture. Of those. What
1: even are you a doctor of, Kayvon? cheese?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, honestly, I mean, what right wing, <laughs> right far right wing social. If the neo sapiens do a Nazism, oh, wait. <laughs>
0: Qualified specifically to talk about this. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like okay, that I can talk about. There you have it. Uh, (laughs) But that's uh, that's that's the end of this. That's the end of this episode. It doesn't seem like a whole lot happened, but at the same time, it seems like a it seems like a lot. It seems like it all happened very quickly. That's
2: every one of these episodes. It's like sometimes we'll watch them and I'll be like, oh, I don't know what like what are we going to talk about? And then we sit down and say, oh yeah, actually, like a whole lot of shit did actually happen in this episode. Yeah, And I think that's, you know, kind of a testament to the writers, the producers of the show. They really managed to, like, put a lot, sneak a lot into, like, a fast-paced kids' action show. Um, But, yeah, left you a lot to think about even as a kid. Even while you're still, like, just, like, tuning in every week for the cool space battles. Yeah.
0: Well, and that will about do it for this episode. Mm. Um, As always thanks thanks for listening everyone uh if you want to support the podcast please go to patreon.com slash em network right now we've got enough coming in that we're paying for about half of our uh bills that are a result of hosting and everything every month which is super awesome and thank you for everyone for doing that and yeah. if anyone else you know throw us a throw us a buck or whatever it would, everything we love it we love the support We love review to see us it, folks. Every, it, yeah review us review us on anything you're listening to to us with and that really helps us drive traffic to get new listeners and uh on our way out uh the Lexi do you have where can people find you on the internet
1: um so people can find me I keep mentioning my miniature painting instagram at hold me closer underscore tiny painter but I actually did want to do official shout outs this week because I've been quite lax about that and so uh, we also have our own Instagram account where we just share random <laughs> ExoSquad-based memes, mostly. Uh, ExoFriends podcast uh, on Instagram. But through that, so firstly, like the ExoSquadArchive.com is a great website. And I think the next episode is one of the ones that they have a script for. So we should look at that.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and this person also runs an Instagram account, I think by the same name, Archive where they are uploading all sorts of cool shit all the time, especially to do with, like, the toys, the promotional materials, what got produced, what didn't get produced. Um, so I just wanted to redirect people to them. And then this week, God bless, like, one of the people who follows our Instagram also uh, sent us some images of uh, basically ExoSquad miniatures that he created using Hero Forge, which is, like, um, a website where you can, like, design and build your own minis, and they are awesome. So I posted those on our Instagram and our Facebook page for people to check
0: out. Have, um, one of my D&D players actually made me a really nice miniature on there. For, you know, it, was, it was based off of pictures from me back when I used to LARP. And uh, it was actually one of the nicest gifts anyone's ever given me.
2: It's yeah. a really cool site. is well, uh, has uh, got a, her Gnomish Bard, which you can see on her Instagram. Uh, it came from there and is amazing. Nice.
1: Yeah. So what is huh? the name of the? There's a Facebook group that's like bring back Exo Squad that we've all joined. I think that's
0: what it's. I think that's what it's called, Bring Back Exo Squad.
1: Yes! Two exclamation marks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, every, so everyone listening should check out those places because there's people selling pins. They're showing you how to buy very recently released animation cells from the show. Um. I think I need to go order a set for yeah. myself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool, but oh, you came on anything to plug this week or?
2: Uh, you know, I kind of mentioned last week uh, that like project that's in its early stages of development. We're getting we're getting some concept sketches and things going, so I'll tease it with that. Uh, and yeah, it's still gonna be it's gonna be some time before we have anything um, really really rolling off the presses or anything like that. But we are yep. one step closer and uh, step by step getting there. So something coming. Cool. And we'll leave it at that. Cool.
0: Um, and for me, you guys can find me at any of the social media links listed below. And you can also catch me on Twitch uh, talking about the show, talking about anything really on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Usually go from 10 to 11, depending on how many people are hanging out. And, yeah, I'll just be picking games that I like to play so I can sit down and talk with folks.
2: I tell you, one of Let's... these days when it's safe to travel also, you and I should play uh... – was that a game Guerrilla War
0: together? And... Oh, my God. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if anyone if anyone's curious, just look up Guerrilla War Nintendo and uh, you will find one of the greatest Nintendo games ever made that includes a lot of flashing lights and should include an epilepsy warning and also is probably brainwashing you to hate communism. And or love it, (laughs) as we later found (laughs) out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As we later found out, because the American version is is uh, censored to not reveal the fact that you are playing Che Guevara and... Um...
2: Vidal, right?
0: Yeah, Vidal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, as you, as you liberate an island from cap- from capitalist dictators. <laughs> oh, that game slaps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, I'll say goodnight, everyone, and uh, oh, stay boy. safe and stay healthy. Yep.
2: Cheers.
1: Yeah. Bye.